You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1067 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Wednesday evening into Thursday. And thank you for joining us, as always, on the podcast. This is actually going to be part one of a two-part episode with good friend of the program, P.D. Webb. P.D. is a fantastic basketball scout, draft analyst, summer league specialist, we could say. Uh, we met up in Vegas, talked about some basketball stuff, and we will talk about summer league and the future of the young Hawks guys like Shreve Cooper, Jalen Johnson, Skylar Mays, etc. on the podcast over these two episodes. There is some news, though, to get into, and first I want to plug also a news and mailbag episode I did on Monday night that is, should be in your, uh, in your feed just now. As I said previously, I'm still going to be giving you guys at least two or three episodes per week, uh, not quite five or six like I had been during the season, but in these like you know five, six weeks before the season starts, I will not be going anywhere, and there will be plenty of content on the feed, including that show on Monday and this two-part episode. Also, there was a report from Jake Fisher, a friend of mine at Bleacher Report on Tuesday about Paul Millsap. At least he was mentioned with regard to the Hawks. I'm going to read the report now from Jake. Uh, and I'm quoting now, Golden State has been the team most often linked by league sources to Paul Millsap, arguably the most consequential free agent le- left on the market. Yet, while the 36-year-old former All-Star has drawn interest from the Warriors, Hawks, Nets, Pelicans, Sixers, and Timberwolves, no team sources contacted by Bleacher Report indicated any contract agreement with Millsap has come close to the finish line. So, I'm not sure what to make of this right now. Obviously, the Hawks have one empty roster spot available. Um, I think the tax line does matter to them on some level, which means a minimum would be what they'd actually have available for Paul. He, of course, has a house here, has played here, was an all-star here, etc. cetera. Uh, not going to be a huge role. If Paul wants to have a bigger role, there would definitely be places elsewhere where he could probably find a bigger role. I'm not sure what's going to be happening there, but anytime that a player is linked to the Hawks by a good reporting source like Jake, I want to at least pass it along to you. I've heard uh, nothing necessarily about anything being imminent or even being discussed still at this point in time. This could have been earlier in the offseason, etc. But the Hawks are still probably in line to at least consider another big man of some sort. I know Paul's not necessarily a true center, but could definitely play a little bit of center, provide some depth, and obviously would be a great locker room presence if you wanted to come back, quote-unquote, home to Atlanta. So keep an eye on that in the coming days, and that's uh, where I will leave it for now. Um, Before we get into part one with PD and all kinds of stuff about Sharif Cooper and uh, you know all kinds of summer league stuff overall. It were from our sponsors on the podcast today, and the first of which is Sweatblock. There are a few things in life that just are not any fun to talk about, and one of them is excessive sweating. It's not fun for anyone to sweat through their shirt for no reason. I'm sure we've all dealt with this at some point in time, and while there are definitely bigger problems in the world, it can certainly feel like a big deal when it happens in the moment. And that's why you should check out Sweatblock and iPerspirant Wipes. Sweatblock is stronger and more effective than most clinical antiperspirants. You can simply apply it at night before you go to bed, and then after you go to bed, the next morning you can wake up, wash, and go about your day without worrying at all about sweat. Guaranteed. Sweatblock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended, and it works for up to seven days per use. There is also, by the way, a dry shirt guarantee, and if Sweatblock doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. It's manufactured in the USA. Sweatblock has a bestseller on Amazon and other places for the past decade. I know it might sound too good to be true, but it absolutely works. You can wear what you want to wear with confidence, and it really is an absolute must-have. 
If you or someone you know and love is dealing with this, you have to check out Sweatblock right now. Get it today for 20% off at sweatblock.com with the promo code locked on or check it out at a CVS near you right now. One more time, that is promo code locked on at sweatblock.com for 20% off. Promo code locked on at sweatblock.com. Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at DirecTV. Tell me if this sounds familiar to you. You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite TV shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for all of the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like they've never been before. You can watch your favorite shows, movies, and sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So you can get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. I am joined now by friend of the podcast, PD Webb. Welcome back, sir. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. It's been a, it's been a good day, a good week of basketball. Um, a good, what feels like five weeks of summer league. And I'm excited to talk about uh, my favorite draft in the NBA um, with you. And uh, with, uh, you know, I thought that the, I thought the Hawks were done getting lottery talent. You know, they <laughs> transitioned to being a good team. Uh, who let this happen? Yeah, I, uh, in case people sort of missed what you said there, I guess you refer to the Hawks as your best, as your best draft uh, or favorite draft, I suppose. Yes. And- yeah, I think that's actually, it's kind of crazy, you know, often, uh, and, we're, and we're definitely going to focus on the Hawks guys for the most part on this podcast, and we'll come back to them, but I feel like often, uh, even when the Hawks do good stuff, people don't always notice. Uh, it's kind of an off-the-radar market sometimes. Uh, that seems to be changing, and then also, the draft people that I trust kind of were uniform. Even people that didn't love either Jalen or Sharif were both like, well, at this spot, like, What's there not to love? So uh, a lot of, uh, I would say, pretty much unanimous praise, which I'm, I'm kind of uncomfortable with, but I also agree with it. So what are you, you going to do? Yeah, uh, at a certain point, you just got to accept the slightly uncomfortable compliment and, and be happy with uh, how everything turned out. Yeah, apparently so. Um, before we get into the Hawks guys, and we're definitely going to focus on them, I wanted to ask you, um, because you, know, you and I talked a lot before the draft and even during the draft and all that stuff, of just kind of how you felt uh, about – uh, things, especially for summer leagues, so, you know, we saw each other in Vegas. Uh, it's a little time to breathe now. Maybe catch up on some stuff. Uh, anybody impress you, uh, non Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper division, and summer league that you uh, that sort of stands out? Because you know, I haven't had a chance to talk about a ton of non Hawk stuff, so I wonder if anybody jumped out to you. Um, I mean, Trey Murphy really impressed me. Um, not just from like a, a shot making perspective, which felt like it was a guaranteed. Um, you know, he was a very good scheme defender and his mobility and passing jumped out at me, which I wasn't really expecting. I thought that he was going to be a little bit of a slower build uh, as he adjusted out of, you know, a Virginia system that's that's very uh, regimented. And he was free-flowing and, and made quick decisions and, and flashed ball skills. I mean, these are all on top of the shooting. It, it was uh, a thing that I thought was going to be like a, a little bit more down the road and it, it happened really quickly and it looked really natural doing so. Um, that was definitely a big one. Um, I, of course, loved every second of the Desmond Bain experience. Um, <laughs> Overqualified, we'll say. Yeah. Also, like, you know, the man, the man loves an upper body lift. And uh, some of these rookies were not ready for th- that particular, uh, uh, that bump. Um, and it's just great to, to watch him 
uh, do his particular brand of making every shot and also being a good passer. Um, I think guys like, you know, Bones Highland, Jalen Green, like that was expected. Like they probably made shots a little bit better than, um, than, than average, but the way that they played was, was pretty expected. Same with like guys like Cade. Um, I think that the other one that I would say like jumped out at me, um, I think Trey Jones took another step forward. Um, it's been, uh, it's been a, a little bit of the back roads for him, but, um, certainly another step towards being a good NBA rotation player and potentially a starting point guard down the road. Um, a guy that I've always thought had, uh, like the tools to do so and, and, and the first step and sort of had a, I don't want to say like a star cross career, but, but one that has required him to not fall into the perfect situation. And he's kind of just steadily gotten better and better. Um, every time I've seen him, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's always good to see that just adding a touch more every time. Yeah, I've always liked Trey Jones too. I thought he looked good in what I saw. Um, you mentioned Cade briefly. I was going to ask you about this, so I guess I'll just do it now. Uh, where did you fall on the, there was uh, there was the panic people. There were the uh, it looks the part people. Uh, where did you kind of fall on what we saw from Cade in the limited sample uh, being that he's number one pick? And I think everyone was like, Jalen Green looks awesome, but that, there was more of a split on Cade at, at Summer League. I mean, the first thing I noticed about Cade, sorry, the first thing that I noticed about Cade was that like he was like, 20 pounds lighter than the last time I saw him. Um, he looked like he was around like 190, um, which I found to be really interesting. Um, you know, that that he had tried to, to lean up and probably work on flexibility more than, um, you know, a lot of guys put on weight to get to the pros and he, he might have been a touch too big. Um, I think that I was... I wasn't expecting Cade Cunningham to look awesome in summer league because like, this is not the setting that he would do well in like, his preferred setting is like picking apart uh, well-oiled machines of defenses and, and, and coordinating um, how rotation should work. And like, I don't want to say that this is a, a situation that is uncomfortable for him, but it's one where like his skills don't really apply in the same way. Um, I also thought that he got a, a particularly rough go of shooting luck from assist opportunities, which, made his numbers look worse than like what would probably be expected broadly. I mean, the shooting, the shooting transferred, um, you know, there's still the concerns about how, what his next level of handle looks like is finishing around the rim. But this is just a situation where like his best skills don't come into play, which are the ability to, you know, adapt read after read, uh, depending on what a defense does and the ability to just, like, be uh, a terminator on defense with processing reads and doing the right thing over and over again. That's just not summer league basketball. No, <laughs> and I mean, I had that thought too about. I thought he looked fine. I, I wasn't yeah. worried really at all. Um, but I was talking with somebody the other day, and I, I won't say who. It was a off the record conversation, but uh, we came up with basically uh, the guy and the guy that you would expect to look awesome in summer league versus the guy who you would like drop in a lap to not look awesome. And mm -hmm. Kate wasn't on either one of those, but uh, I, we came up with Cam Thomas on the good side and Evan yep. Mobley, on, Evan Mobley yep. on the bad side. I talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I talked about that being Evan Mobley's uh, frustration with people's like inability to like run sets and like play the sort of basketball he wants to, uh, especially defensively. And just like him being like, what do you mean you can't stunt and recover and then to take two steps back and then slide in tandem? It's like we just met two days ago. He's like, oh, I can't. Like, like, can't you guys do it? Yeah, no, he he was. Uh, I, I made a. I don't. I'm not even sure. I made. I made a point to watch the first game, but I, I think I watched maybe every minute of Evan Mobley in summer league by hook or by crook, and like it was fascinating to just watch him and focus on him. Uh, 
and what everybody else wasn't doing. And I'm not saying he was great because he wasn't. He, he didn't play no. incredibly well, but uh, it wasn't nearly the panic meter for me because of just the situation. Like, if you can't tell that's not going to be good for him, like between the lack of guard play and just the mania of Summer League, like, it just was a bad situation. Uh, and I, I felt bad because it was like, oh, he shot 35% from the floor. I'm like, yeah, that's that's not good. No one's saying it's good. It's just, uh, there's some context, I would say. Yeah, I mean, like, the, I think there are things to be, like, there are points of concern that were always going to be present, like him losing spots when they would run horns and he would get bumped out to, like, the three-point line to start the play. That's a real concern. Um, having teammates who, like, don't pass you the ball when you're open is, like, not a thing that I think will happen with Darius Garland on the floor. So, like, to me, that's less relevant and more relevant is, like, you know, some of the moments that he was able to get, like, stonewalled by shooting guards or um, uh, moments where he would over-process instead of just hitting what I would say is, like, the talent button of being that big and that long. And I'll figure it out. Um, yeah. He still wants to make the right decision all the time, um, which it, which is an admirable trait that ultimately does work against him um, when things get a little bit tighter or when, you know, lineups don't make any sense. Like, well, and it's, and it's Summer League thing. overall because... Yeah. <laughs> no, summer uh, League is just not, not suited to, you know... It's kind of built on guys that are just going to do what they want to do uh, for the most mm-hmm. part. And uh, this, is not me, this is not me picking on Cam Thomas, but it was a perfect situation for him in every way. Like, he's a bucket getter. I think he got to the line like 10 times a game, like legitimately yeah. 10 times uh, a game. I believe his free throw rate was 50%. Yeah, so uh, he was reasonably efficient. But, like, if you look at the, uh, the EFG numbers versus the true shooting numbers, they were pretty stark. It's because he got to the line a million times. So he scored a lot of points. And uh, same thing with, like, Maxi. And there, there were guys who were just, like, built to look good there. And, they're gonna yeah. look good there. Yeah, um, and that's just the nature of uh, of like the setting that you're in, and you kind of have to also. A thing with summer league is that everybody comes in with different instructions. Oh yeah. So, so and like team, got, and team setting stuff too yeah. is really important. Like wh- what your team is trying to accomplish, and you know for the top top guys, they should just be like trying to help them. But anybody like below that top level. It's like, all right, the team might want to see you do this. Like, Isaac Okoro is a good example. Like, hey, Isaac, we, we want you to play point guard this week, basically. And it was yeah. like, okay, this is interesting, but it's not really going to be his role in the future. No. Uh, like, the, there are sort of four, like, guys who are currently in the league. There are sort of two rosters, or, or two options. So guys who aren't on rosters, they're just trying to showcase their skills any way possible um, to, to, to stick or, or to move to a different league or a better situation or whatever. But if you're in the league, you basically have the explore the studio space, uh, you know, work on whatever skills you want to, um, which would be like Maxi just shooting off the dribble all the time, which like I love. That's a thing that he really needs oh, to yeah. be able to do. But like that's what he did. He, he was not really interested in running a ton of pick and rolls. He was interested in hitting side step threes, which like again, exactly what is needed for his development. But like you can't evaluate him on like well he didn't run the team. It's like that was not any of the assignment here. And then you have on like the on the other end of the spectrum, um, you would have, I mean, a guy like Jalen Johnson who we'll talk about, where it's like, no, we want you to do this specific thing. Like, we want to see you do these five things well. Everything else does not. Yeah. And, you know, we want to see you do this specific role. We will always build the lineups around it. If you feel like you need to do more, don't. We will find somebody else to do those things. We were evaluating you in these particular areas. And I think everyone summer league should come under, you know, putting them in one of those two camps. And then also trying to figure out how the game translates. And then evaluate from there instead of like looking at the scoreboard and being like, oh, yeah, you know, Omar Yusufin played great. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, because he was always kind of like, this is a, a good spot for him, but also like, what is he being asked to do and how is that different than his own people? Yeah. And I, I mean, even to a more extreme, I would say, you know, Johnson fits into the into that sort of 
fill in your role stuff, but there are some more fringe examples and you know, you and I are basketball nerds and we're looking for everybody and there are guys who like the NBA team will just say, We want you to do exactly what you're gonna do in the NBA this season. Like we want you to play in your role and it's very weird because they're often the best guys but they're also playing tiny roles like out of design almost yep um which is interesting because that's the role that they are going to be in so that's what they want to see but it's just a strange situation where you got a guy who might be your best player that's like not playing as the best player so i don't know just context is is king in in summer league for sure um all right before i ask you about sharif and we'll dive into the hawks guys we're from our sponsors on today's podcast with Built Bar, there are so many delicious flavors that there's always something for everyone, and honestly, it's difficult to pick just one. If you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're always passionate about their favorites, but for me, I have more than one, quite frankly. If you don't know all the Built Bar flavors at this point in time, you're absolutely missing out. They have coconut, they have cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, German chocolate, and my personal favorite has to be cookies and cream. It's been that way for a long time, but even with my affection for cookies and cream, there are other options that are honestly just about as good and really they're fantastic for everyone that enjoys Built Bar. In addition to being extremely tasty and Built Bar is extremely tasty, they're also very, very healthy. They have 17 to 18 grams of protein. The calorie range is 130 to 180. They only have four or five grams of sugar and they only have four or five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors all the way across the board. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. If you order today, they get the grass popper cookie or the raspberry or whatever you like. And if you go to built.com and use the promo code locked on, 15% off your order with Built Bar. Use the promo code locked on, 15% off at built.com. The offseason is here for the Atlanta Hawks in full force, but Bet Online is still the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is still in full swing at this point in time. You can track all the action, though, at Bet Online and beyond baseball. There is all kinds of interest from sport to sport, entertainment, and much more. Get all the latest news, the odds, and the information for all of your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA, golf, tennis, auto racing, F1. All that fun stuff. You can find it all at Bet Online. And on top of that, you have odds boosters, entertainment bets, the works. You can find it all in one place. Before the next pitch, dribble, or pass, head over to the Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore, as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prepare for their run to their respective playoffs. Head to the website right now or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKED ON. 50% extra cash if you use the promo code locked on when you sign up at betonline.ag. Check it all out in one place, your best place to find all the sports action, the fastest, easiest, and best. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. All right, PD, uh, let's talk about Sharif first. We'll save Jalen for the end of this. Uh, you know, Cooper kind of had a pretty ugly finale where I'm not sure if he was like not in it or what. But the first three games, he was very, very good. Uh, missed the fourth game, played in the fifth game. Uh, I'll just open it up to you. What, what did you see? I know you were higher on him than, uh, than obviously where, the, where he was drafted for sure. Uh, but what, what did you take away from, uh, from Sharif in Vegas? Um, I mean, I think that the first thing is, uh, is just looking at his college tape and saying, like, what was actually going to transfer? Um, so was he going to create advantage every time he touched the floor or every time that he wanted to run an action? Um, how much of the passing was real. And I think, you know, the points, point three is, is about, you know, the passing was phenomenal. Was that him just being better than college players and, and having a level of vision, but does that play, you know, with bigger, stronger, 
faster, more concise schemes. Obviously, some of it's not like that, but you know, the, the general idea. And then the last point's like, so the jumper. Um, yeah. How's that going to work? I, I think that's worth two points. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's probably really worth harping on. Um, because, you know, he, we saw a little bit of him shoot during the pre draft process, and that's about it. Not, not almost like he didn't do a ton of like public workouts. It was kind of the, the one main one, and that was it. So, uh, I mean, Jalen is his own bag of um, of mystery box in terms of what it would look like, but I would say I was anticipating each and every uh, Sharif Cooper jumper attempt. Yeah, I, I think I was too, and clearly that is the the biggest swing skill. That's not even up for debate. I think mean, I think he knows it. Although he did kind of make a kind of a funny uh, laughing response to a question about his shooting in a post game where he was like, I think y'all forgot that I shot that I shot one high school or something like that. Like, I think he's a little bit bitter about the way he's been covered. But at the same mm-hmm. time, like, it is the biggest swing. I mean, wh- when you're when you're his size and when you pass like he does and when you handle like he does and all that stuff and the, and the shooting was what it was in college. That's obviously the biggest question. I thought he looked better. I mean, the, the sample size was interesting because he had the one game where he made I think five three six threes and that's a little bit misleading the numbers overall though 33 percent that's probably a little bit more true I mean what, what did you see from him because everything's a small sample size but mechanics mm-hmm. wise anything stand out to you on like that he's tweaked or has done better or that you're worried about still I mean the tilt looks better um he I always uh said that he has the jumper of somebody who played up their whole life I mean it's somewhat similar to Lamelo, you know who's just like chucking the ball until he got to the league and, and the adjustments were made. But, you know, he, he looks like a, a kid who, you know, has never stopped playing basketball at, at any point in his life to, um, you know, it, he's a winner man archetype where it's just like at every single level that he's played at, he's been truly awesome. Yep. Um, and with that comes playing year round and like when exactly was he supposed to stop and, and retool the jumpers? This is probably the only, you know, this and then the off time in Auburn were the only times where he really like, tweak it. Um, so yeah, the idea of him being upset by uh, some of the coverage of people treating him like he can't shoot sounds perfectly in line with uh, the personality that, that, yeah. that I'm aware of, which I also love. Um, no, me too. I, I really, I think I, I was one of the two people that was in the room, and I kind of had a laugh with him, and uh, it was interesting. I wasn't surprised by it, but I did find it noteworthy because, like, I'm sure he understands it on some level. But guys, you know, he's wired to be a competitor, and I'm sure he believes that he's gonna be able to shoot. Like, why wouldn't he? Yeah, I mean, in the same way that Chris Paul believes he's six feet tall, like. <laughs> Is it like, is it true? Like, I mean, it depends on how you measure, but like to him, it's, it's true. And I understand why it is that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that that's also like what you would want out of somebody like that in that situation. I think that like people who aren't necessarily wired the same, like people have struggled historically with draft night slides and, and knowing that a large portion of the league didn't want them and that they needed to adjust their game. And he came out and played exactly like Sharif Cooper. Um, I think that when we're talking about like the 15 attempts, it's not particularly meaningful. I mean, he took a good volume. He took about five per 40 minutes played or, or 3.6 per game. Um, and that's encouraging. Like if anything else, just consistently taking shots. Uh, I was a little bit worried after the first game when he only took one. Yeah. Um, and then he had all of his makes in that, in that Pacers game, um, which I'm sure must've been a really nice whiplash go from over one to, to five rate and Inclu- incl- including the game winner too which made it even, yeah. uh, even more noticeable yeah uh I, I think that there's not too much to be taken that like it looks broadly similar to the jumper that we saw in his pro day um in in multiple varieties so like when he takes it when warm-ups and takes it off the triple a little bit of movement i think we saw more trouble with him getting it off um 
like just like gather, not like getting it blocked at the top, but just like blowing into it than there was prior because of how they've moved uh, his, his gather point to the right a little bit. But again, if you're expecting, if you're doing wholesale changes on a jumper, you can't also expect that jumper to let go. To me, no. it's just better that he's like, he's doing construction and shooting in games. That's, that's as positive as I need um, or where he is right now. Um, if I were to say like leaving this, my bigger concerns would not be the shooting right now, um, especially for like what value you're getting it for you. Yeah, so I, I want to spin it forward too, but before we do that, uh, do you, I guess this is this is a question I'm asking everyone. Do you care about the turnovers? Because I do not, but it was definitely a talking uh, point, uh, at least in my mentions and stuff, and people were always mentioning it. So I wanted to ask you. Uh, could not care less. I mean, the only, the only game that I would talk about would be the, the New York Knicks game, but I think that that's not about turnovers. Like, my my concern with the Knicks game and the turnover in the Knicks game is not about the turnovers. It's more about what caused them. Which was um, what? Which was what in your mind? Oh, that Deuce is just stronger. Than yeah, I mean, that that game was weird on a number of levels. You know, the Knicks played all their guys. The Hawks. They, they did not stop ever playing their guys. No. Everybody I, played I six games. Very on brand for the Knicks. But also, the Hawks didn't play anybody except for Sharif. And he had just missed the previous game. So I don't know if he was still, like, under the weather or whatever that was. Uh, that was There was some mystery because he was out for protocols, but also sat on the bench, which yeah, was a very, strange uh, thing. <laughs> I, I do not know how those two things can both be true. I, I asked um, that question multiple times and didn't, never got a real answer, so I uh, we're all guessing. But regardless, I don't I don't think he looked like himself in that game either, To on top of everything else. So maybe yeah. he was weak. But, but I agree, like, if there was a question, it would have been, like, you know, Miles McBride is uh, an NBA-caliber defensive guard, and he got into him a little bit which is not like it wasn't terribly surprising and McBride plays hard and he's bigger and obviously all that stuff, but he's going to see guys like that in the NBA. Yeah. And I, I think it, that is, um, that's sort of the archetype that has given him trouble historically is like guys who are quick enough to sit with him and also can like just hand check him kind of yeah. like he, it's not that guys are stronger. It's that guys are stronger and really like want to grapple with him and sort of like, you know, yank, yank around his frame. Um, that's the thing that has given him trouble because when that's allowed to play, he doesn't have a counter. Because usually when people try to, you know, uh, get into him, he just goes by. But, you know, with a guy who's stronger and quicker, that's really hard because they'll just meet you at a spot and bump you. And I guess the best possible solution is to shoot off the dribble. And in that game, that just wasn't going to happen. No. He was not playing well and was not comfortable. No, he he wasn't. And I know it's a little – it's one summer league. I'm not going to try to go crazy about it, but truly – the Hawks having nobody else in that game made it even harder on him. Like, if Jalen Johnson's playing, the Knicks have to at least think about Jalen Johnson. It was, it was literally Sharif Cooper, and uh, I am a big Devon Cooper cell fan, but if he's your number two option, and he was in that game, that's not a great situation to be in, necessarily. So they, they, they were allowed to focus on Sharif. They were playing all their guys. They were playing hard, and it's the end of the week. Also. So I'm tempted to just kind of like cross it off on some level, but it's like... Yeah, I mean, you know. I, I've seen Sharif Cooper for like four or five years now, I want to say. Probably four. Yeah. Um, and like, it, it matches a pattern of a thing, but also like, what actions are you supposed to run if you have one NBA player on the floor versus five? You're supposed to well, like set up a screen. There's gonna blitz it. What, and, what happens and, to your position? Yeah, there, I watched that game twice. I don't, I don't know why I watched the game. I, I would think I was just bored. And uh, yeah, I'm. I think we're on the same page. Um, yeah. I mean, predictably, I'm sure you probably even saw some of this. But after the first three games, when he was playing really well, uh, you know, 
people wanting to know if he's going to be the backup point guard this year and all that stuff. And uh, I try to point out, like, look, the Hawks have two vets who are both very capable in DeLon Wright and Lou. Uh, they've openly talked about how Shreve's going to be in College Park most of the season. I can just pass that information along, but you know how this works. He's, he's a local kid. He's famous. They want yep. to see him. Uh, what would your plan be for Sharif this season, knowing all the context and like, what are you looking for if he does play a bunch in the G League? So like normally with, with point guards that you want to develop, you kind of want to give them uh, G League minutes and then bring them up as necessary, um, you know, to, to give them tastes of, of NBA. I don't really think that you need to bring him up. Obviously, like the way that his contract work is, is different than regular contracts. So, like, there is probably not as much value bringing them up than like how that how that functions and stuff. But like, I think that you mostly just treat this year as a shooting gallery and let him try stuff. And if he like absolutely likes the G League on fire and, and makes changes in the jumper, like again, you're building him as a long term player or you know a a an asset to to burnish for a potential star trade down the line. Um, I think that you know teaching taking this year and being like look we could play you some minutes but like it would probably be better for you long term just to shoot nine and a half threes per 36 <laughs> yeah. um and like that is a better pathway to being on next year's team than being on this year's team and like that's probably true yeah i think that one of the advantages and it could be overstated too but i think it is a real advantage of having a g league team literally down the street is that he can get some of the NBA experience without playing. Like he can be around the team very easily without flying around the country, just pop over, be around the team. You know, last year the two-way guys were just around all season long, and there are pros and cons to that too. And like, I wish they had gone to the G League bubble, but they didn't. But they were around the team all year, and there's there's some value in that. I think you know Sharif being around not not only Trey, but even being around Lou Williams for for a season, I think would be very helpful for Sharif. Um, just like learning stuff. Uh, yeah, but also play. I, w- I want him to play. So him playing a lot in College Park is still the best thing. And honestly, I, I have a hard time seeing him play a bunch in Atlanta without maybe two injuries. Like they might try him at some point just just to do it because they probably have some studio space to explore with eighty two games. But I just don't see a real pathway for him to be like in the rotation in Atlanta at some point this year, unless something you know bad happens. I also think that um, Lou Will is a good. Like a specifically good bet. Yeah. No, for, I, I, for I, I really think that too. Like for a lot of reasons. But yeah. Yes. Like in the same way that like Amir Johnson would be a, was a really good bet for specifically Isaiah Todd. Or I was like, look, I was you know you know a really hyped high schooler. My first couple of years, like I drafted into a good situation, and I had like you know I was under Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace. Like I was not supposed to play. Lou was the they, Lou was the forty seventh pick. Like. Yeah. From from and the from the same area, <laughs> like it's was Allen Iverson's rook. Yeah, we've all seen the picture with the suits. Uh, I would like to, uh, if anyone from Atlanta's PR team is uh, is listening, recreate the picture with the suits. But Lou and Sharif, Annie Annie Finberg, who I hope listens to this podcast, has been a guest on this podcast before. I hope you're listening to this. Get on that. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, plus like Lou being. They're different players, but Lou being similarly size challenged. Uh, and frame challenged. Frame challenged. The craft that Lou has always had is something that you that you can't teach. But it's just, I mean, even last year, I talked about this recently with Brian Schur on the podcast, but like everyone to a man has credited Lou a lot with a Kong Wu coming on late in the year. And they're not even in the same position, but just like 
he took a Kong under his wing and was like, "You're my guy now, and we're gonna we're gonna do this together." And th- th- that was more than playing together, but still, like Lou is willing to do that too at this point in his career, yeah. like be that kind of guy. So. I don't want to overstate it either, but I think that's a that's a great guy to have around Sharif. Even if, even if it's not on the floor during games, um, being in the locker room, being at workouts, I'm sure they'll keep him close by and have him involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I overstate this to the point that, or I, I say this to the point that it's like a trope, but, um, you know, the NBA is a job. And, like, when you're starting a new job, especially one that, like, you, you may have some struggles with the best thing you can have is somebody who's been in your shoes before putting an arm around you and trying to help you as much as possible so like viewing it through that lens like yeah uh, Lou is is awesome just to to onboard the new guy and give him as many tips and and tricks and uh you know coping mechanisms for the ups and downs of professional basketball absolutely um before we move on anything else that you want to get off about Sharif that we haven't talked about because you know uh, I, yeah. I, well, you want you want you want to play a lot. So I, I want. I want yeah. To um. I mean, he's still got a ton. Um. But oh, yeah. like, I I feel like we do need to mention that. Like. Uh. I don't know if if Jordan Bell and him are cool. <laughs> I mean, Jordan. I, I would. I would not be. Just Jordan, like Jordan, Jordan Bell. Uh. Jordan Bell was quite a punchy bag on Hawks Twitter, and I think for good reason. Uh. It was. It was not good. Uh. And he also laughed after, after three games. Yeah. Kind of. Kind of unexplained. And I wonder what happened there too. But uh, it was, yeah. I mean, Jordan Bell was like the high-profile guy. I know this is kind of funny, but uh, I was there, so I didn't see this till after. But apparently, ESPN was listing Jordan Bell on their Hawks depth chart throughout the week, like on the, on the broadcasts uh, when he wasn't actually. He's not on the team; like he's just on the summer league team. But he has the uh, the name recognition, so people were noticing that that was the case and sending it to me. Uh, I don't think he's gonna be around. I'll just say that. <laughs> yeah. Um... I can say that um, it was a small point of contention that he struggled to catch passes for dunks. Yes. That it was palpable that people were upset. Is I think that that's a, an even-handed way of saying it. Um, and I understand. Uh, so I think that if we're going to react to turnover numbers, if we're going to react to efficiency numbers, um, I think we should maybe run all those turnovers back and, and reassign some blame because uh, stack keepers don't always give the turnover to the guy who failed to catch it even when it was thrown directly into the brain basket. Well, and he, and he also, you know, Sharif averaged 7.3 assists per game. It probably could have been double, double digits fairly easily. I mean, that, that's a summer league problem across the board. That happens to a uh, lot of guys. I'm, but... sure that, I'm sure that there is somewhere the the Detroit equivalent of this is is uh, finding, you know, their, their, uh, their, uh, Jordan Bell proxy to explain some. Oh, it was, it, 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 it was Tyler Cook. I can say that right now from the Pistons. So Tyler Cook, Iowa zone. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I think, you know, Sharif was aside from the shooting stuff, which, which we talked about, like him getting wherever he wants, the passing angles. I mean, he was throwing some absurd passes. I mean, I've talked about it a lot, but it, it is worth just kind of saying again, like he was throwing passes that guys don't throw. <laughs> it's summer league, but man, uh, you can, you can certainly see it, especially when you're close up, like, you can't fake that. You can't fake that stuff. And his vision, his his feel is uh, quite good. Yeah, um, uh, I'm very excited to see it. If it's at a G League level, if it's a you know a mostly G League and the occasional NBA level, um, uh, you know uh, Skyhawks, uh, all are at me. I'm excited to be a fan. Yeah, I uh, I'll try to get you some College Park swag that I can. Uh, I have the two chain shirt. That I, as uh, you should. College Park. I I did not wear it to summer league, but I should. It would have been a great, that's great summer league gear, actually. I should have uh, prompted you to do that. Um, 
all right that'll 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 do it for uh sharif and and part one uh stay tuned everybody for part two um also uh pd give, give me your quick spiel uh which people will also hear again at, at the end of part uh at the end of part two but where can they find you yeah um you can find me on twitter at above the break three um i've been doing summer league uh streams uh summer league review streams uh where me and, and four guests take four players break down a single game spend you know between 30 and 45 minutes on it talk about you know what what was different from what we saw pre-draft you know what, what we're expecting going forward and, and what their rookie year or you know second or third year you know we feel like how well we uh, tonight depending on this one when this comes out sharif will either be happening or have happened and you can check that out on youtube uh, i did jalen johnson a couple of days ago um covered a, a lot of it and uh, have like three more coming i think the last one is on friday check those out for sure i've been trying to uh, retweet and share them but uh, definitely if nothing else for hawks fans check out jalen and sharif but i would recommend all of the content pd is putting out uh on twitch and other places thank you sir we'll be back again shortly with part two